Hi, everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. Welcome back to RX Rounds, everyone. I hope you guys are continuing to remain safe, wearing your masks, hand washing, avoiding large crowds, and practicing social distancing. You guys already know that as Caribbean people, our elderly population is the backbone of our culture and the heart and soul of our legacy. We ought to do whatever we can to ensure that they are protected and cared for. This group of persons aged 65 and over are the most vulnerable, facing a great deal of health complications requiring numerous medications. Studies have shown that some of the frequently prescribed medications can be potentially inappropriate in the elderly. In this episode, Dr. Dylan Canterbury, a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, joins me to discuss side effects and adverse effects of potentially inappropriate medications frequently used in the elderly population. Hey, Alondra, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited today to just talk about the world of elderly geriatric medicine. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's a a big area, right? Because our elderly population is so vulnerable in so many ways. It's so true. Um, You know, by 2034, the elderly population is slighted to outnumber the amount of children in America. So this is the first time in history this has ever happened. So can you imagine how much these people will be living longer and potentially needing more health care? Um, so we have a huge wave of uh, geriatric elderly patients on the horizon that are getting better care, better lifestyles. But we as pharmacists need to know how we can help them in that time. Awesome. So I want everybody to know about you. Like, where are you from? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So um My name is Delon Canterbury. I was actually born in New York, Flatbush, Brooklyn, you know, early, all day, every day. Um, But like most Caribbean families, we started there and ended up leaving to Atlanta. So when I hit about eight, my siblings and I, Devon and Dacia, and my family of two, my mom, Sandra and Stanley, uh, are actually from Guyana. They're from Georgetown, Guyana, my mom, and my dad is from Burbies, Guyana. And they moved to the States in about uh, 1984 to start a new life for their families and give a future for their kids like a lot of us immigrants did. Um, So they raised three beautiful kids, me being the eldest of three. um, And we ended up growing up in Atlanta, Georgia. We stayed there, we pretty much stayed there for all of our upbringing and we kind of went our separate days as we got older. Uh, But now I currently reside in Durham, North Carolina on the East Coast um, and I'm actually working with Caribbean patients in my community and trying to help get more of that geriatric care we were talking about. Oh, wow. So that's awesome. So you typically work with Caribbean patients. So tell us a little bit about your patient population. So Durham uh, in North Carolina is a a very uh, high Black minority population, Latinx, African-American, as well as Caribbean. There are some strong pockets of Caribbean around here, too. Um, The main ones I have are are Jamaican, but there are strong Guyanese, Trinidadian, other groups from the the Caribbean here, Panamanian, et cetera. Um, So when I work with my minority patients, and I generally work with 
you know, minority elder patients. Um, I started a company that's devoted to helping geriatric patients and just maneuvering healthcare costs, um, understanding the healthcare system, knowing how to decipher between what's a side effect versus what's a general, you know, stage of aging because we're all getting older, right? Um, so my company is called Geriatrics, and we specialize in looking for any medication errors, side effects, um, as well as any adverse events that may happen for our patients. So that could be just wondering why this person is coming to this clinic really sick and doing a thorough look of the medications they're taking and seeing if there's any issues that are compounded by having that medication on board. So we really specialize in getting people off of unnecessary medications and finding a way to optimize the appropriate therapies for them. So um, having Caribbean parents or patients is always, uh, it's always an interesting game. First of all, you get a little flashback to your childhood, you know, where I grew up on Tiger Bomb, bitters, you know what I mean, and some liniment, and you call it a day, or some Buckley's, you know, that's all we had. So those four things, as well as, well as boiling away some kind of herb, became our natural remedy. Um, so it's funny to kind of hear steer some of those anecdotes from my patients, and they had me flash back to my mom and my dad whenever we got sick on what they would do to treat them. Um, so it's always kind of a humble blessing to kind of see where we came from and then see it in our population and know how to tr approach and talk to those people on that same level. Yeah, as Caribbean, you know, people, we take our heritage everywhere, you know, so we're pretty much spreading right. all over the world. You know it. <laughs> so why should some drugs be avoided in the elderly population? Tell us a little about that. Absolutely. So it's a fantastic question. Um, the main thing to take away is that as we get older, our bodies change. And when our bodies change, they just don't do the same process they used to when we were younger. That still plays a factor when it comes to medications and how medications may act in the body. That being said, when you have people who've been on long-term medications, they may not work the exact same when you become 80 or 85 or 60 for that matter. They may last longer in the body. They may work twice as hard without you realizing it. Um, and sometimes they may not work at all because you're not getting enough into your body. So depending on what type of drug it is and how your general process of aging is, it may affect the therapy that you're on. So it's crucially important for providers such as pharmacists, nurses, and doctors to be able to identify what could be a medication-based issue. For instance, memory loss. We all may have someone or a loved one who's dealt with memory loss and confusion, right? Did you guys know that maybe some medications can actually worsen memory loss or they can actually find a way to decline in cognition or just thinking and memory? Um, so those are the kind of little things that we as providers have to kind of think about because medications can kind of mask that picture and hide symptoms that may just be general aging. So it's yeah. such a great question. It's important. Yeah. So you talk a little about memory loss um, with some medications. Um, let's dive into maybe some of the effects on the brain that some medications might have. Absolutely. Um, so a pretty big one that comes up in my elderly population would be sleep aids, right? So we get sometimes have difficulty sleeping and you can take a medicine to help you go to sleep 
stay asleep. Um, unfortunately, our what's called a circadian rhythm or our night and day rhythm, it just changes when you get older. So the signals that tell your body to go to sleep don't work as well as you were younger. So when that happens, sometimes you'll have medications that work much, much better, um, particularly ones that like to be in the fats in our body. And those sleep medications may be medications like lorazepam or Ativan or um, clonazepam or clonopin. Um, those um, benzodiazepines, not to get into the Greek words of it, but those sleep aids last longer in the body when you're older. So what that can do is it can cause confusion. It can cause memory loss. You can have short-term memory loss as well. Um, it can also have been shown to increase fall risks. So that's three important things right there. And that's still in addition to, of course, losing uh, your cognitive function. And that's the ability to complete you know, daily activities like cooking, cleaning, et cetera. It can affect that too. Um, so we have to have that big picture as clinicians to really see how that can be a huge factor in people's not only just sleep habits, but also their long-term life. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit about falls, the risk of falls in the elderly population. That can have a rippling effect, right? Unfortunately, yes. Falls are one of the biggest risk factors not only for hospitalizations in our elderly, but for long-term permanent effects in the body. Um, and unfortunately, we don't always do the best job of finding ways to prevent falls risks and identifying the medications that may cause it. But that's where your local pharmacist who's educated or your provider in the geriatric syndromes, as well as the medications that can worsen those things, can really play a huge factor in preventing those issues from happening. And what other maybe classes of drugs can affect the brain and how the brain functions in the elderly? Sure. Um, another big one that comes to mind uh, would be anticholinergic drugs or drugs that basically tell your body to stop flushing liquids out. And we as clinicians use little acronyms to kind of remember what it is. Mm -hmm. And the one that comes to mind is sludge. Um, so sludge means salivation. So basically is your, can you swallow and digest food? Is your mouth salivating? Uh, we have lacrimation, which is tears, crying. So liquids, again, they're coming out, right? Uh, U is for urine. So basically urinary flow, how's that affected? So these are examples of sludge. I didn't go through the whole moniker or acronym, but basically anticholinergic drugs stop all those processes from happening. And what that can do is, unfortunately, it can cause confusion. It can cause similar effects of, of uh, mental status loss. Um, it can cause delirium. People can go a little bit crazy in the ICU. People uh, can have some severe constipation and confusion. And of course, mood swings. So that little signal in the brain that tells people to cry and urinate, that signal sometimes gets overloaded and the opposite effects happen. And that's where you get urinary retention, which can lead to what? UTIs, right? Um, we can get more of that confusion from the acetylcholine signaler in our brains. Mm -hmm. So it's important to not just know the meds, but also know the types of meds, right. because there are different types of meds in that same category that can cause those anticholinergic effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And that's really important because that anticholinergic effect is just drying up of basically all of the cell membranes. So you will have um, maybe unable to produce tears. So you might get a little blurry vision or dry mouth or things like that. So it becomes one of those things that you have to manage with other um, pr products to help you be able to maintain lifestyle as normal. I even had a patient one time who was on a certain anti-Parkinson's or Parkinson's disease or dementia medication. And because of the way that medication worked, it increased their frequency in gambling, risk-taking behavior, sexual promiscuity, um, and just being risk-prone. And believe it or not, that was just the medication which was increased in dose versus someone just acting out of character. So this was an elderly patient as well, who just wasn't as well managed with his Parkinson's disease and dementia-related symptoms. So it follows that same thought process of what, what change in the medication took place and how can we address it? Uh, because if we're now seeing this behavior and you're seeing now an uptick of STIs or sexual transmitted diseases in your nursing home, there could be a mismanagement of medications here. And that's something that could be a huge public health concern. Wow. Yeah, that's really important to note. Um, there's also this idea of electrolyte imbalances um, in the elderly. And this is quite common because maybe that if you have frequent urination or inability to urinate, your electrolytes may change. So talk to us a little bit about some of those medications and their effects. Sure, sure thing. Um, so, African-Americans in our country, in America, at least tend to have the highest prevalence of high blood pressure, as well as diabetes. Uh, that being said, a lot of our African-American patients are on blood pressure medications. Mm -hmm. One of the cruxes of blood pressure medications are what are called diuretics, or basically water pills. And these water pills sometimes work a little too well in our uh, elderly populations. And when that happens is you end up urinating out more water, okay, from the body. And some drugs in our body just like water more than the fat in our body. And if there's less water, then unfortunately you're going to get less concentration of the drug in the body. When that happens, you don't have adequate treatment. You don't have blood pressure goals being met, you know, or, or they're working so well, you end up basically causing so much dehydration in our patient because they're urinating everything out, it throws off their mental state. So when that's thrown off, you can be in danger of having too low sodium or too low potassium or too low magnesium. All of these effects have different ways of signaling in the body, especially our heart and our brains. And if those things are out of whack, your heart could be at a risk of stopping or you can pass out and just have a complete blackout moment because your blood pressures are too low. So it's a significant um, uh, factor to concern ourselves yeah. with as providers. Yeah, and that's not just the diuretics or the water pills, there are other um, hypertensive medications that can cause some of those effects as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk about bleeding. Now we already kind of touched on the risk of fractures and the risk of falls, but mm -hmm. 
in the case where an elderly person falls and they're at home alone, there's that risk of bleeding out and having a lot of blood if they're on specific medications. Mm -hmm. What medications might cause a patient to have excessive bleeding? Absolutely. It's a great question as well. So unfortunately, there always isn't as much data as we would like when it comes to our elderly patients. Yeah. People aren't as likely to throw an 80-year-old person into a clinical trial and say, hey, let's put you on this and see what happens. There isn't much like that. But from what we have found, you would be surprised that your general over-the-counter medications such as ibuprofen, naproxen, Aleve, Advil, um, sometimes that BC goodies powder you may find to help you for your headache. All of those drugs can potentially increase the risk of bleeding or internal bleeds or stomach bleeds or stomach ulcers. Um, they happen in a very similar class effect, but unfortunately it's worsened for people who not only have a headache, but also may have a history of a stroke or a clot or some type of hemorrhage or some type of, some kind of heart issue, right? And those people are generally could be on what are called uh, platelet blockers, which is aspirin, or you have drugs like warfarin, which is a common blood thinner you may find, as well as uh, clopidogrel or Plavix, which is also seen for people who may have had a heart attack or stroke in the past. When you combine those three meds, the clopidogrel, the aspirin, and the warfarin, with some of the ibuprofen, Aleve, naproxen, which are all found over the counter, you could significantly increase your risk of being hospitalized because of having an internal bleed. And this is such an important issue because we could have easily prevented that patient or educated that patient to know that taking that can cause that effect and it could prevent being put into a hospital had we stopped that in the first place. Yeah. So it's a great, great point to bring up. Yeah. Um, and you talked about those over-the-counter medications. There are so many other over-the-counter medications that you want to make sure you educate your patients, um, especially elderly patients, about, um, for instance, uh, those over-the-counter pepsids or things like that. They may have some risk for patients who already have delirium, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, we definitely want to make sure we're talking to patients about things they take over the counter, as well as the things that are prescribed to them. Right. And this is not to exclude herbal products as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's important to know about the St. John's warts, the lemongrass tea, the bush tea. Um, they do, to some extent, have some type of drug effect. So it's so important to know what kind of herbal products you're taking too. Things like ginseng, Things like um, ginger. Uh, yeah, ginger is another good one. Basically, like the four G's you want to avoid. Um, a lot of those can increase those bleeding risks that I mentioned, as well as other side effects that we haven't discussed yet. So, great, great point to consider is to just know what herbal meds you're taking too. They are just as important as your prescription ones. Wow. So there are some drugs, you talked earlier about the body being very different um, in the elderly population and things can accumulate uh, because you're yeah. unable to excrete them as fast. Um, tell us a little bit about some of those medications that may be causing an increase in toxicity for an elderly patient. Sure. And it's, there are so many. <laughs> it's, it's almost unbelievable the amount um, but what we tend to use in, um, in our side of town is a, what's called the beers list. 
And the beers list is a fantastic reference for providers to take a look at what medications may be considered inappropriate because of those changes in being elderly. When you get older, your liver doesn't work the same. You don't get enough blood flow to the liver to clear as many medications. Um, your kidney is also in the same boat. It's getting a little bit smaller, so it doesn't do as well as it did before. Um, so drugs that are affected by the liver or the kidney can have exponential increases or exponential decreases. A lot of the ones that come to mind for me are the sleep medications, and they love fatty, fat, fat deposits in our body. And because our brain is pretty much majority fat, guess what? They like to stay there, and they like to work 10 times harder because we're not able to clear it as well as we did 30, 40 years ago when we were a little bit younger. So the drug sticks around. And when it sticks around, its uh, duration of activity just is exponentially increased. And that can lead to, of course, issues in the falls, like you mentioned. It can lead to the confusion. Um, and it can also lead to accumulation. What that means is it takes way longer for that drug to disappear in the body. So now you have like, even if you stopped it, it's still in your body sitting around for a couple of days after you stop. Um, and that could be another thing to consider because that can affect your therapy as well. So which drugs? I could, we could name so many drugs to the cows. Yeah. And then some drugs oh. hang around a lot longer than others. Right. <laughs> Right, and then when you're older, you and, and the flip side, we don't drink as much water, right? Uh, we just don't drink as much water in general as humans, but when you're older, they definitely don't drink as much water because their body doesn't signal them as well to be thirsty, hey, get a drink. It doesn't work like that anymore um, or it doesn't work as well. And when it does, you end up kind of already baseline dehydrated and those medications that love to be in the water just may not work as well either. So they're all important things to look at um, and understanding the, the kinetics and the actual properties of these drugs can really be important. Yeah. We mentioned that some drugs make it difficult for some of our elder patients to urinate. And then you also talked about um, UTIs being a possibility um, and being frequent in the elderly population. Are there also some side effects of having UTIs in the elderly that's not quite common in younger populations? Um, I will say that one thing that we kind of take for granted is our vision and hearing. And people who are elderly, they just have a natural decline in that. Um, so you may see effects where some of those anticholinergic medicines we talked about, those are medicines like, um, it could be Benadryl, it could be, you know, amitriptyline, which is a common psychiatric medicine or sleep medicine. Um, a lot of these drugs um, with that anticholinergic effect can also affect some of those vision changes. So you're not gonna be as likely to find, um, for instance, urinary retention in a, young, in a younger population, you know? Um, but when I'm looking at their med history and I see that they're on four or five different anticholinergic meds, I'm more willing to think, hey, even though this is being used for, say, a dementia patient who has to take some of these medications to treat their dementia, I'm more likely to think, okay, it's the drugs here versus in a younger population, you know, it's unlikely to really see the urinary retention in them. So I would say urinary retention is a great starting point. Um, 
I would also wanna assess any types of mood disorders or any recent changes in their medications. Um, unfortunately, depression and anxiety is really underreported in our elderly population. Uh, so that's something you wanna make sure we rule out prior to changing drugs around. Um, but as well, we, we just don't have the ability to um, clear out drugs with our kidneys and livers in the elderly population. So younger people tend to have better clearance of those kind of drugs. And most of the studies that we use to make clinical decisions are based on the people that are younger and have those, um, those demographics that are more likely to follow the course of therapy. So with elderly, it's kind of like, all right, we know some, but now we're just kind of extrapolating off of old data to see, okay, what's the issue here? Yeah. And especially the elderly, their medication list is a lot longer. So you really have to look at the interaction between drugs and then um, how the patient responds to things like that. So it's, right. it becomes very complicated when you're dealing with an elderly patient. Right. And it's so important because um, there is a growing problem here called polypharmacy, where people who are taking more than five medications, and they may potentially be from different pharmacies or sources, it doesn't really matter. But the people who are more likely to take more than five medications have significantly higher risks of being hospitalized and having a significant drug-drug um, interaction that can cause harm. And that's something that you can't laugh at. It's something that we have to really be aware of to avoid spending millions of dollars in healthcare on helping people and treating people who could have been prevented in the first place from being there. Um, and that's where polypharmacy has led to huge astronomical healthcare bills in our country. It's been estimated to account for nearly $3 billion as of the year 2017. And this is out of the $8 billion spent on just hospital visits from general patients. And it's been shown that people who have significant um, health conditions like kidney failure or chronic diabetes or chronic hypertension, and being older than 65 are the ones that lead to the highest risk of having that hospital visit. So it's, it's such a critical issue to hit home and target where, where we can avoid the preventable, preventable issues that we see today. Yeah, so we really need to pay close attention to our elderly population and uh, make sure that we're looking at what they're taking, make sure they're taking it correctly. I, I'm sure we're going to get into some of that in the Mythbuster segment. So let's just segue right now. Um, what are some of the myths that you constantly hear from some of your patients associated with elderly population and the medications that they take? You don't want to ever assume everything is okay with the elderly. The elderly are generally uncomfortable talking about their health conditions. In fact, they've been statistically shown to underreport any health condition. It's like this weird complex of feeling as if they're a burden. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that we can convey to people to always advocate for yourself and for your patients. Always speak up if you have a concern. If you have a concern about costs, always speak up. I feel like sometimes we as providers all because they didn't say it doesn't mean it's not there, you know? Right. And because it's not the biggest issue today, it doesn't mean we're not thinking about, you know, oh, he actually has been constipated for the last six months. Why are we not talking about this? And this happens all the time with my patients. Um, they underreport, and it's not their fault, 
but we have to have systems in place to assess the risks of medications causing issues. Um, and even with my loved ones, you know, my mom, we, we had Caribbean people, we just don't like taking meds. I don't like taking meds. Like we just grew up like, you don't need to take that. Why are you on this? What are you talking about? And if it's gone, it's gone. Why are you worrying about it? So my mom, <laughs> just to speak candidly, has been on a medication for like two, three months and her son's a pharmacist. And she didn't even ask me about it <laughs> until two, three months into the medication. And then she's wondering, hey, you think this will work? I was like, well, what you, what you been doing for the last two, three months? Like, I, I was still alive. You could have talked to me about it before. But, you know, they get into it and then they ask questions later to see if things are actually, you know, as worse as they are. So if it's happening to my mom, I know it could be happening to anybody. And that's just to not never assume that everything is always okay. Even if you're asking leading questions or open-ended questions as a provider, try to use um, pointed phrases like, hey, do you have issues going to the bathroom? Hey, do you have issues remembering where you are? Hey, you know, did you remember to, to drink your water today? Whatever the case is, you know, try to be a step ahead because elderly patients underreport their issues. Yeah. So it's all about asking those right questions, right, and getting them engaged in their healthcare. And our hope is to empower folks to take that active role in their own health and um, have them ask the right questions, you know, when they do go to, for that doctor's visit or contact one of our healthcare partners. So you're on our list now, so we'll definitely have to <laughs> reach out to you. Um, yeah. So any words on, on this topic? Anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah. so uh, just as, a, you know, a shameless plug, my company is called Geriatrics. And what we talked about today is the literal basis of my medication review with all of my patients. We not only do a full medication history, we conduct what's called a medication therapy management consult. And all that is, is basically giving you, the patient, an updated list of all the meds that you're on. And then we just cross-check it with what the doctor says you're on. That's about it. But we have the expertise as pharmacists to really pinpoint those anticholinergic drugs or the drugs that may cause an increase in falls or the drugs that may also cause, of course, confusion, memory loss, uh, constipation, diarrhea, um, lethargy, you name it. Pretty much most drugs have some type of side effect. So with that medication review, not only do we cross-check the patient list as well as the provider list, but we create a new list that has our recommendations as pharmacists and provide consults on how we can not only save you money, but get you on less medications, less pills, um, but also make sure you're on the best medications. There are so many drugs that just work differently because of your ethnicity. And this is a new wave of healthcare is understanding what's called pharmacogenomics, which is the genetic study of medicine and how you can apply that to your therapy. The stuff that we use, like for instance, Plavix, which is a really common blood thinner seen in, the, in, in pretty much all heart attack and stroke populations. You can't just throw Plavix into an East Asian Pacific Islander community. You can't, it, the drug will not work the same. It will work so much less than how it would normally work that it will lead to cardiovascular events, it will lead to more stroke, it will lead to heart attacks, because those populations cannot clear the drug the same way as our populations. 
And that is where understanding pharmacogenomics, understanding that the patient is a whole person and that there is a clinical picture outside of just race. There's access to education, health literacy, how, how much can you understand directions and read? There's, do you have a certain amount of money? Do you have any cost barriers? Is there a social barrier to your care? Um, so there, those are just two things to start. But then again, of course, we still have racial tension and racial um, biases when people present to their doctors. So I'm a huge fan of trying to get doctors that can understand where you are. So if you got your local minority doctor or provider, support them. If you're in the Caribbean, I'm sure that's all you're seeing, but still have that dialogue, open it up to see, is this the best way to treat me? Okay. If we don't know the genes or the pharmacogenomics, if we don't know your history, then how can we give the best clinical picture? And this to me is the future of pharmacy as well as the future of geriatrics, which is a pharmacist-based consulting company that focuses on helping families save money, save headache, and time. Wow, that's amazing. I think what you're doing is really great, and I'm excited to, to be a part of that if, you, if ever you need me to. Um, so how can listeners contact you? Oh, absolutely. Um, so my website is geriatrics.org. That is G-E-R-I-A. TRX as an x-ray x.org um, you can also reach out on our Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter pages we have a geriatrics page there as well um, and you can also reach out to me personally if you want my cell I'd be happy to give it to you if you have a medication issue or concern or you feel like your loved one are on too many medications which is what we specialize in you can actually book a free consult on my website geriatrics.org slash consult or free consult and you can choose anytime you like and we'll talk readily so i'm trying to be the most accessible pharmacist in the world that's my goal with geriatrics so you can reach me you can message me directly on uh instagram uh i'm on uh geriatrics uh as my facebook page my linkedin page is delon canterbury and my twitter pay handle is also at geriatrics as well and we Great. actually post um, ways that you can save money on healthcare costs. And we provide um, excerpts on ways that you can also avoid headache and any common issues you may see as a caregiver. That's terrific. Well, I'm gonna say that we're gonna put all of this information in our show notes so that everyone will have access to the most accessible pharmacist. <laughs> um, and I'm really glad we got to chat today. I'm very, very excited to continue this conversation because I think our elderly population deserves that. Sure. Um, and I look forward to chatting with you again. Yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, just feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I really appreciate you, Alondra, just hosting this. I appreciate your passion and drive for getting this information out to our communities. So thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me on today. Thank you. This podcast represents the professional opinion of RX Rounds and its wellness partners. Our content is created for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for direct personal and professional medical care or diagnosis. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding your medical needs. If you enjoyed this episode, visit RX Rounds on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to like, 
comment and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next rounds on RX Round.